Lord God, we thank you for Andrew. We thank you for this church. We thank you, Lord, that you have put a message in Andrew's heart to share with us today, that you have been with him as he's prepared it. Lord, we, I pray right now that we would have open ears, open hearts and open minds um, to what you have for us today. May we apply it to our lives and take it with us in the coming days and weeks. Amen. Amen. Hey, who loves Australia? Yeah, yeah. As I was, I was spiritually preparing myself for this sermon um, yesterday, I was watching a combination of Midnight Oil. There's a few old guys in the room. Um, Dragon. I'm not saying any of these are necessary good and live godly lives. I'm just saying. And I actually thought, right, that I was procrastinating. Um, does anyone want to say what procrastinating means? Yeah, I don't know what it means because I, ne- I never do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I never do it. And, and what it actually did for me... Um, was actually, I was wrestling with which sermon. We're going to preach on evangelism today. Evangelism is really just sharing your faith with other people and I'm um, telling other people about Jesus. What it did for me was put me in, back in touch with my love for Australia. Um, if you want to Google it, you can Google, I think it's, um, it's Midnight Oil by the Sea, but they're on Goat Island with the, um, what's the big bridge? Sydney Harbour Bridge and the water. And I thought, man, there's no place like Australia. Like, it's a blessed country. Now, that's okay if God's called you. And he calls us to the nations, right? So we should have a heart for lots of, at least one other country than Australia, and missions and all kinds of stuff like that. But God's given me a heart for Australia. And what I realized was, um, in some ways, I love that first song we did, The Best Is Yet To Come. And when I'm looking with human eyes, I sometimes think, is it really? Or is the best over? Sometimes we think that about our lives. Hey, especially as you get older, maybe the best isn't yet to come. Do you know why we can sing that song with faith? It's because God is a God who always has something better. And it's actually a faith thing. When we look by sight, we see all the crap. That's why you shouldn't watch the news more than once or twice a week. Okay, just a bit of heads up. But that's why we should be in the Bible every day because it's a faith book that speaks to our faith eyes and helps us to see that stuff we can't see at work, sometimes not even at church or on the street or in the news. And so last night, who would have thought that the Spirit of God could speak through me, speak to me through a bunch of old Aussie bands and stir up in me the passion that I have for this nation. Friends, do you believe, can you believe the best is yet to come? Well, hopefully by the time I finish today, you can. I believe God wants to stir us up. I think COVID's made us a bit slack. Is it possible? A bit regressed, a bit, we can sit down and hide. God doesn't call us to hide, he calls us to go. And the problem is when we hide, we get all self-centered. We get all self-focused. You know how my journey into Australian music last night started? I was looking for a song. I was trying to find some illustrations that I liked. And I thought, well, I'll play that song, What About Me? (laughs) What about... I remember being 12 years old, delivering pamphlets, how old I am, delivering pamphlets on my pushy, and I knew every word to the song. Because if you're going to throw a good pity party, that's the song you want to play. 
Isn't it? What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. There was a little boy standing at the counter of a corner shop. See, I still know all the words. But you know what? God doesn't call us to throw a pity party. He throws at others' party. Because there's people in this room today who have encountered the love and the peace and the power of Jesus Christ. Why should you keep that to yourself? Because there's people out there who don't know Jesus, who don't know his love. Man, I've not found love like Jesus. And you know what? I have an amazing mum, amazing wife, amazing family, amazing dad, and I still haven't found love like Jesus. What about people out there who don't know their dad or their mum's left them or they don't have a family? You're just going to let them be lonely? No. Well, there's, we got one recruit. Hallelujah. And that's why Jesus said, come like a little child because we don't have as much inhibition or as much fear. Hey? And that's what we need to tap back into today. I, and I, you know what? I believe the lie too. Um... No one wants to know about Jesus. Really? How do you know that? Because you told one person they didn't want to know? And I, I grew up believing that lie. I remember hearing a story of a little young Salvation Army junior soldier, we used to call him, who went to school, wore his junior soldier badge to school. And I was nine years old. I'd become a junior soldier. I thought, I'm never doing that. Never. And then I got into high school and it got even worse. I'm going, I'm not telling anyone I'm a Christian. I used to mock the IFCF guys just like everyone else did, you know, the inter-school Christian fellowship. <laughs> I was one of those guys, right? I didn't want to know. I thought no one wanted to know. And even when I went to Brisbane, I gave my heart back to Jesus. I was working as an electrician. I still thought people didn't want to know. I had a mate who worked with me and he told me one day when we come back to work, on the week, he said, oh, this, what was it, Jairus Witness guy came the other day to my house and I told him to get lost and he didn't. So I told him to get, he just used more and more expletives. I won't tell you what he said. And I'm there, like I'm the Christian guy, right? I'm just saying, I'm never telling you I'm a Christian. You know what, about three years later, he was sitting next to me in church. <laughs> he had a Methodist background, his dad was Presbyterian, he had this whole heritage that God was waiting to use me to tap into. And I thought he never wanted to know. Friends, you've got no idea who wants to know. Yeah, we, we have no idea who needs to know. I had the privilege when I was 22 of um, going to the discipleship school where we planted a church. And you, if you want to plant a church a hard way, do it this way. We made like a 1,200 phone calls. We ring people from Swansea all the way to Charlestown. You should try ringing people in Charlestown, ask them to come to church at Belmont. You know what they say? Who wants to go to Belmont? If you know the culture up there, everyone heads towards Newcastle. You don't head out of Newcastle, right? We go, okay, well, we did our way, okay, as far as Belmont. But you know what? A lot of people, we said, would you like some information about a new church that we're starting in the Belmont High School Hall? You know, a massive percentage of people said yes. And then... We'd follow up with another phone call. Then we posted out all this material. And then we watched people come to a church that they'd never been to before. Some of them never been to church before. There was a man and his son who came for the first time, probably to any church. And they lived just down the road from Belmont High School Hall. And this man's wife had died just a year or so before. 
And since the death of his wife and his son's mother, they just became recluses. Forgive my grammar. But that invitation pulled them out and they became part of that church and it changed their life. Come to know Jesus, changed their lives, healed their grief. So what I want to talk about this morning is Advance Australia. It's inspired by a book called John Smith. I haven't even read the book, but I love the title. Advance Australia where? Do we believe that Australia can advance in our day and age? Or is it all over? Do we just pack up our bags and go on a holiday and hide under some rocks or something? Well, I don't think that's what God calls us to do. So on your seats, and you see... Um, I'm, I'm going to keep going until we get results. It may not be today, but it may be next week or the week after. But I don't know how to lie down. And on your seats, you'll notice you don't have a good meeting unless you have action points, right? I'm a bit excited about that. So be thinking about that because when we get to the prayer time at the end, I'm going to encourage you to write down some action points, right? What am I going to do? If this resonates with me, what am I going to do about it? Because I know so we don't make active choices, we just tend to go around in circles. So firstly, if we want to advance Australia, we need to get fair dinkum. I want to keep it Aussie today, is that all right? What do I mean by fair dinkum? Well, let's have a look. James 4.8 says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Now, we love the first part of the verse, don't we? It's all warm and comforting. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. I feel a warm and fuzzy. But we should read the rest of the verse. How do we come draw near to God? It gets a bit harsh then. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. You know what double-minded means? Half-hearted. i got a foot in this camp, and i got a foot in this camp. We did a lot of that in the, in the um, election, didn't we? I don't want to vote Liberal or Labor, so I'll vote for Pauline Hanson or someone just to spite everybody. We love to put a foot in each camp, don't we? We love to hedge our bets. Well, if you're trying to do that with Christianity, it'll never work. It can't work. You go, this isn't working for me. Duh. The book never said it to do half-hearted. It said whole-hearted. The Old Testament says, as the verse says, the eyes of God roam all over the world looking for those whose hearts are fully his. Craig Stevens calls them 100 percenters. You give it everything. You know what? When you give it everything, then God gets involved and he does what you can't do. But if you just give your little tidbits, nothing's ever going to happen. Nothing's ever going to happen. What are you holding back from God that he's asked you to give maybe months or years ago? And you're still doing laps in the desert because you won't think you know better than God seriously James is writing to Christians if you're wondering he wasn't writing to non-Christians and is reminding them that they still had the potential to sin we all do sin is just doing stuff our way if you wanted to know if you don't like the word just call it self-centeredness if you like doing things my way whether it be that they did what they should not or they didn't do what they should, James reminds them to resist the devil. Not only do they need to submit to God, but they need to draw near to him. In turn, turn to God would draw near to them and cleanse and purify them. God would purify them, right? I want to say this too, right? 
Sometimes we let the devil lie and intimidate us. And the Bible says this, right? Jesus died on the cross. It goes way back to Genesis 3.15, right? But that the enemy does have the power to strike at our heel. But you know what? We have the power to strike at his head, right? That's what Jesus did. He struck the head. He defeated the devil once and for all. I remember, sometimes we need... Yes, Melissa has a great word for this. What's your word? Overreach. You know the mistake the devil makes in my life sometimes? He does overreach. And then it snaps me out of this distracted world I live in and go, oh, hang on, I'm in a spiritual battle. He just pushes that bit too far. And he did that one day. I was a ministry assistant at the discipleship school. We're living at some flats down at Swansea. And things were just going awry, right? And I walked into the laundry out the back where my pushy was. I used to ride my pushy around and sold my car, ride my pushy around Swansea. You can do that there. And something happened and the bike fell over on me and caught me on the back of the ankle. It really hurts, hey? And I looked down and there's just two, looked like two puncture marks in my foot. And it just reminded me that the devil strikes at my heel. And I started praying like a crazy man in the laundry, right? And one of the students walked in. And he looks at me, and I said, that's all right, I'm just having a prayer meeting. <laughs> Do you need to have a prayer meeting? Do you need to have a prayer meeting? Where are you feeling defeated today? Do you need to grab that thing by the throat and say, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. What are you putting up with that you're never called to put up with? You know what I put up with for years that I was never called to put up with? Loneliness and abandonment. Sometimes it still sneaks up on me. You know, and I love that song, we'll never walk alone. The devil will try to tell you you're alone, but if you're with God, you never walk alone. Never walk alone. Can we start to live by faith instead of by sight? Can we start to crush the devil's head? The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Your feet. Have you been crushing Satan's head lately? Crushing the lies of the enemy that says, you're not good enough. Who said? A lot of people said King David wasn't good enough, but he was. I love this. Have you ever gone? I do this now. I'm old. You ever gone for a swim and just got your feet in? That's what old people do. You know what? Jesus calls us to be young at heart all the time. I remember up in Mackay visiting my brother and went up into the mountains. It's Mackay, right? And I think it was summer. We went up into the mountains somewhere, west of Mackay, and this beautiful pool. And, and you know, I was like 21 or something. You know what you do when you're 21? Woohoo! It was so cold, I couldn't breathe. And I'm swimming for the edge. And I get out and go, oh, oh, it's cold. I didn't think it was good. But you know what? Now, now, I'd go. <laughs> you know, Jesus doesn't call us to dip our toes in, friends. He calls us to leap and have the experience. We used to jump off rocks at Whopper Falls up in Yandina, north on the Sunshine Coast. And we used to teach our mates how to do it, right? Because we've been doing it for years, 20 or 30 foot off the rocks. And we knew it was safe. We made sure it was, you weren't going to land on a rock, right? But we say to people, don't stand there looking down. Just jump. 
How long have you been standing there looking down when God said, just jump? And can I just give, I will give a footnote to that. Don't jump if God didn't say to. (laughs) Don't jump if you haven't had the counsel of many advisors who you trust. There is a way to hear God. Okay, if God said jump and he's given it some confirmations, then for goodness sakes, jump. But if you just woke up one morning and said, I think God told me to go to China, you probably should pray about that and get some counsel from some Christian friends and a couple of confirmations. Because if you go to China and God didn't tell you to, he's got no obligation to protect you or lead you. Does that make sense? So if you've gone and stepped out doing something you thought was a good idea, you say, well, God, where were you? He said, well, I was back where you left me. I still remember this plaque a friend of mine put. I don't know whether she put it on the side of the door just for me so I could see it. But it says the grace, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Okay, so if you're looking for direction in your life, sure jump once you've got all the confirmations. Now, if you've jumped um, and it's gone to hell, just go back and tell God sorry and tell him next time you'll pay more attention to what he's saying and get on with it, okay? Don't mope in it. We all make mistakes. I've made plenty. Point two, we could be here a while. To advance Australia, we need to have a go. I think I've already talked about that, haven't I? Have a go, mate. Have a go. When I was a young guy at high school, it meant have a go. Maybe it means that for you today. Maybe you need to put your boxing gloves back on. We don't fight people. We fight the spiritual realm. You know how you fight the devil? Love people. Be patient. Be kind. That's the weapons of our warfare as Christians. Be generous. Serve harder. Hey, they're the weapons. Read the Bible. That's the weapon. I love this. Acts 2, 14. This is Peter, right? He's the flaky disciple. He's a guy that always got ahead of God and made a mess. But then, you know what? Jesus wasn't so worried about that. So if you've ever stuffed something up, God doesn't write you off, doesn't write me off. He always gives us another chance. Now, this is Peter in Acts 2 after the Holy Spirit had fallen on him. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem... Let me say, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And he went on to preach a message, right? And 3,000 people became Christians that day. Now, last time he tried to deny Jesus and it all turned shocking, not long before that. But he stood up and had another go. 3,000 people got saved. Can't even keep my pages in order today. I remember when I got my apprenticeship in Brisbane, I went, I was doing a pre-apprenticeship course and I went and told my pre-apprenticeship teacher, I got a job. That, that's a goal, right? You do a pre-apprenticeship course, you're supposed to get an apprenticeship at the end. So I was so excited. So I went to TAFE the next day. Sir, I got a job. Oh, that's good. Could have been more excited. I said, in Brisbane, with this, who with? Oh, and I told him the firm, it's fairly big, you know, private firm in Brisbane and you know all he said was you'll learn a lot from them a lot of bad habits that was it kind of deflated my balloon 
But he was right. I did learn some bad habits. But I learned some really good ones. And you know what? Nothing in your life is ever wasted. So here I was working with non-Christian electricians that taught me some of the best lessons in my life. I believe God used them to teach me some amazing lessons. I thought I had initiative, right? When I worked at Woolies part-time, there's a kid two years younger than me getting more shifts than me. So one day, you know, because I can't keep it in, I said to the boss, oh, you just like him because he's cheaper to pay. Yeah? And the boss of Woolies, the manager, said to me, mate, he can run rings around you. No, no, yeah, that's what you say. You know, two years later in my apprenticeship, I realised the manager at Woolies was right. I had no initiative. I didn't know what initiative looked like. And I wasn't real good at hearing feedback, obviously, either. But I was working with this tradesman who I liked really well. And this one day, we had a 22-foot step ladder up on a little pearl and about that high and trying to do something. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm standing on the ground looking at it, right? And my mate Rick had had enough of watching me looking at it. And he just walked past me. I said, mate, sometimes you just got to start somewhere. What a great life lesson. Hey, instead of looking at it going, oh, I don't know what to do. Just do something. So Rick walked past me, climbed up the ladder, fixed the thing, climbed back down and went. And I'm standing there going, how'd you do that? But I never forgot the lesson. Hey, while we're sitting there trying to work it out, and I'm not saying don't plan. There's a right time for planning. But I had the ladder. I had the pliers. I had the screwdriver. I just need to get up there and have a crack. Hey, is there something God's been telling you to have a crack at that you just keep procrastinating on? What's procrastination mean, Wayne? No. Hanging around, doing nothing. Three, when we get fair dinkum and have a go, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. Now, it's probably out of context because knowing whether she'll be right, mate, means we probably don't care, doesn't it? But this is different. Let me explain. First Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen. This is Paul quoting Isaiah. No ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. I don't know about you, that verse has brought me a lot of encouragement for a long time. No eye has seen. When we give our lives to Jesus, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Do we believe the best is yet to come? Because I don't think I've received all of that yet. I've received some of it. Absolutely. I always wanted a little girl. I got four. I was going, how did that happen? You don't have to tell me. I know. <laughs> right? But I wanted to know how, you know, like it's a, it's a bigger existential question. It wasn't a biology question, right? And I was in the, driving the car one day and I heard a guy say, oh, yeah, and I've got eight kids because God's a God of abundance. And I went, ah, oh, that's why. That's why. You know what? Some, some of the good things in your life are there not because you planned them but because God's a God of abundance. And he's blessed you and he loves you. And can you just tell yourself to enjoy some of what you've got instead of striving for the next thing you want? 
When's the last time you sat down and looked at what you have and what you've been given and go, thank you, God, for blessing me? That's why most mornings I use my little acronym and I go through Thanksgiving and I make myself think of something to thank God for because it changes my whole perception of a whole bunch of things. Because society and often our human nature is always looking for the next thing. I just want a husband. I just need a kid. I just need another kid. just need another job. But I read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want And when we allow him to be our shepherd, he brings all the stuff. He leads us besides the cool waters and the green pastures. And sometimes we're laying out on the green pastures, sipping the cool water, going, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? What do you want me to do? He says, God, I've done all this stuff for you. You're still whinging. Hey, come on. Is that okay? Let's get our faith eyes on today. Paul said this to that question. They said, what must we do to be saved? The crowd said to Paul, and Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. God's plan of salvation was and is Jesus. (laughs) There isn't another plan, friends. Jesus is the plan. If you're looking for another plan, you're never going to find it. It's Jesus Christ. Okay? And here's a good way to discern if something's the will of God. If it brings more glory to Jesus and fruit to his kingdom, it's probably God. If it doesn't do that, it's probably not. It's probably just a good idea. When we believe in Jesus and allow him to be boss, she'll be right. And she'll be more than right. The Bible says that we become a new creation. I'm a bit excited about that. You know, I've got a really different attitude to when I was 18. You would not like to have met me when I was 18. Just saying. Come and see me on a bad day. You might see a bit of that leak out. But Jesus has dramatically changed my life. And you know what? When I die, he's going to change this. I'm a bit excited about that too. Hey? We tend to hold on to life and mope and groan. Yeah, I, I, it was a guy we love down the Mexican restaurant if you haven't been there I'll give him a plug down at the entrance they're awesome this guy that's so friendly and a great he's just a great guy right always chats engages with us and and I was giving, having a go at him about the gray in his beard and say so I'll get and then he's having a go at me and I said mate I'm not embarrassed about this I said I wear it like a badge I said I've blood sweat and tears have earned I've survived I've made it to 52 some people don't make it to 52, so I'm going to celebrate that. Does that make sense? And I'm going to celebrate that as I get older and more decrepit, I'm getting closer to home. Does that make sense? I'm not going to, well, I probably will, remind me. I'll probably whinge about my aches, my pains, and that I can't move. And I'm trying to read the garden and I can't do it anymore. Remind me that I'm getting closer to home. Hey, we need that perspective. Don't we? Well, you're closer than me, brother, probably. <laughs> you're going to race me home. You can joke about this, right? But the guy who started the Salvation Discipleship School, his wife was just as crazy as he was or is, right? 
And she used to say, oh, I'm hoping for an early mark. You know what an early mark is? When you're Christian, you get to go home early. My uncle got to go home early. And when I went, to, he was about 56, 59 years age. And he died, right? And when I went to his funeral, I knew why he went home. He'd finished all the Lord given him to do. I had no idea what he had accomplished in this life. And we often don't. And I sat in his funeral and said, wow, wow. Hey, it's okay to get an early mark as long as you know Jesus and you've done what he's given you to do. See, we've we got too much of the world in our heads, friends. We need to get more of the word of God in our God's perspective. Bill Johnson says he just, God just thinks differently. So we need to think like God, not like the guy on the news or whatever other nonsense we listen to or watch. <clears throat> Those who have already believed in Jesus, you have only started to taste. We've only started to taste what God has for us in, our, in this life. And life to come. God wants to bless us and use us to be a blessing to others. See where I want to land this thing. I think I want to say this. I totally believe that when we get fair dinkum, right? When we get 100% for God, totally authentic in our relationship with Jesus, and then we go and have a go, right? I just believe God gets engaged with that and does amazing things. Now, it doesn't always look great, right, in the world's eyes. I'll never forget sitting in a, in a meeting one time, and I felt like I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing, you know, not doing the right thing, but I just felt everything was wrong. And this guy said in his sermon, he said, did Jesus look like he was in the right place at the right time on the cross? No, but he saved the world. So don't, I love what Catherine said this morning about feelings. That is so true. We have to acknowledge them. We have to process them, but we don't trust them. Do you always feel like getting out of bed in the morning? Do you always feel like coming to church? I don't even feel like coming to church some days. I run the thing. Okay. But if we lived according to our feelings, some of us wouldn't do anything. We don't live, God doesn't say live according to your feelings. He says live according to your faith. And when we step out in faith, that's actually when we see things happen. That's when she'll be right. And one of the things I, I love, I mean, I love this church. And I love how, how it works, right? And it works organically, right? I love the fact that Chris Edwards is out at Duralong as a crazy Jesus lover. You know, just comes outside. Don't you guys ever get sick of him? <laughs> hey? Do you ever get sick of how much he loves Jesus? Can you just shut up about Jesus, Chris? Seriously. Hey, I love that. Then you have Dawn, right? Dawn roams the Central Coast every week in the name of helping people with doorways. Like this is welfare casework, right? She's hiding under the premise of a doorways caseworker so she can share Jesus with people, right? So if you don't want to know about Jesus and you need some welfare assistance, go to someone other than Dawn because <laughs> you're going to get your welfare assistance, but you'll get Jesus as well. And Val's the same, and, and Simon, and the guys who do welfare here, you know, they come, people come to get help, they always get an invitation. Hey? And I just want to say, is that easy? You know, we've got people like Glennis who just can't help build a relationship with people at craft, you know, loving them into the kingdom. See, if you're not, there's all different ways to do it, and that's why I say, just have a crack, do something. Got Maureen and Jones sit down and bat obey most weeks. Hey? 
just sharing the love of Jesus. I mean, Maureen oozes the love of Jesus. Why wouldn't you want her sitting down in the middle of Bado Bay if you were God? God's thinking, yeah, here's a good idea. I'm going to sit Maureen in the middle of the shopping center because she can't help but love people. Is that a good idea? What's good? God's good idea for you? Here's where it gets real. I'm not even sure. Do we need a song? I think we just, let's do some business, hey? We're going to go to action points. Because if you don't do this, you're going to go out there and nothing's going to change. And in six months, six weeks, 12 months, 10 years, you're going to be the same. I don't know about you, that's really boring. And could actually be really bad. So grab your sheets. That's, that's, why, that's why I never become a teacher. No one would have liked me. <laughs> I don't really care whether you like me today. Sorry. Can I have one? Because I, I don't even know what I put on there. I did have one. Here it is. Okay, now not all three of these might apply to you. All right, so we're going to work through it. Does it apply to you to be fair dinkum? Are you 100% for God? Well, today's the day to fix that. Okay, it's as simple as a decision. And normally with that decision means giving something up, right? If I was 100% for God, I would have been living on the Sunshine Coast for the last 30 years because I think that's the best place on the planet. I know I'm biased, right? I've got a great family up there. I just would have stayed there, okay? But I've had to live in New South Wales. Sorry if you love it. But I've had to live in New South Wales for the last 30 years because I believe in following Jesus. And I believe in being 100% for him. And I haven't always been happy about living in New South Wales because I like Queensland better. But it's just a choice I've made. It's a price I'm willing to pay to see the power of God do something, right? And if you want to see the power of God do something, you probably got to do something. Does that make sense? That's how it works. So what do you need to do to be a 100 percenter? might mean to tithe. It might mean to sign up to serve in the church. It might mean to take, invite your neighbor over for a barbecue. It might mean to just be nice to the checkout chick for a change. Whatever that is. Okay? Write it down if that applies to you. Now, all three might apply to you. It might just be one. To advance Australia, we need to... What's my second point? Have a go. Have a go. What do you have to have a go at? You know what I've been having a go at the last few years is praying for people. You know, people say, oh, pray for me. I go, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. No. Now. Right? So if people say, oh, can you pray for me? Say, yeah, let's pray. How cool is that? And I've seen amazing things happen through that. And I'm a shy guy, right, if you haven't noticed. I'm, I'm shy by nature. I prefer to sit up the back of church than up the front, just if you're wondering, right? Shy kid, didn't talk till I was about four. My brother talked for me, right? But I'm going to push myself out there where it's uncomfortable because I believe God is a God that does amazing stuff. And if we step out, I, I was reflecting this week on God's journey to lead me to be a preacher. Because when I was 10 years old, I thought about the guy preaching. I thought, who'd want to do that crappy job? True story. I hated public speaking. Hated it. And I thought, that poor guy has to do twice. He used to do Sunday morning, Sunday night. I thought, he's got a dodgy life. 
Never want to do that. Look at me. Hilarious. And I don't really hate it that much. It's not too bad. Actually, times I enjoy it. Does that make sense? So God knows what he's doing. So he's cast you to have a go at something. Have a go. If it's praying for people, if it's starting something, if it's doing something, just give it a crack, all right? Write down what it is. This week, I'm going to do that thing that God's been telling me to do for the last six weeks, and I haven't done it. And let's see what you're going to share in sharing time next week. Now, the last one, I think the action point is probably a bit different, and it's around trusting God. If you are 100% and you've had a go, then trust God that's going to work out all things together for good. Okay, so that action point for number three might be, and I'm in this one at the moment, right? Because I've been giving myself 100% to some stuff, right? And I've had a go, and I haven't seen any fruit yet, or not much, right? And so my action point down there is to wait on God's timing. Because God just doesn't consult my diary in regards to timing, right? He has his own diary, and I have to wait till he's put it in his diary, not I've put it in mine. So if I've done the first two and I haven't seen any outcome yet, I need to go trust God. Keep trusting God. Trust God's timing. Wait for God. Does that make sense? Is that all right? Have we all got at least something written down? Excellent. Now, pass it to the person next to you and get them to mark it. No, I'm just kidding. But what I do want you to do is ask someone over morning tea to keep you accountable to what you've written, if you're brave enough. I dare you, right, to show someone today and say, can you keep me, I don't know if you're comfortable doing this, right, and they're comfortable doing this, but over morning tea, get someone to say, hey, can you just keep me accountable to this? Because, you know, by Tuesday we've forgotten it sometimes. The devil throw all kinds of stuff at us tomorrow the next day sometimes, and we need to just Keep reminding ourselves of what God may have spoken to us this morning. Is that all right? Excellent. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this country. Lord, we thank you that um, you always, when, it, when it's according to you, the best is yet to come. Even if a whole bunch of stuff in our country goes down the toilet, Lord, we believe your kingdom on, in this country will go from strength to strength to strength. Your church will get stronger. Your people will get stronger. The people, your kingdom will grow. No matter who's in politics or what the interest rates are doing and all that stuff, Lord, we pray and believe for your kingdom to come in this nation more and more and more and more in Jesus' name because that's the kind of God you are. And Lord, help us to play our part in that. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to leave you with this thought, right? Jesus' disciples, particularly I think Judas, but a whole bunch of people wanted Jesus to overthrow the Romans, right? Well, I'm not a history buff, but I do know the Roman Empire came to an end, right? It did, didn't it? But Jesus' kingdom is still expanding. Does that make sense? So sometimes the things we think God should be doing, they want him to overthrow the Roman Empire. God says, don't worry about the Roman Empire. Don't worry about the Labour Party, the Liberal Party, or whatever other party. It's not your issue. The issue is my kingdom, and it's going to keep advancing. And Jesus was about the kingdom. And if we're about the kingdom of God, then we're always going to be on the winning side, and things are always the best will be. 
yet to come. Hey?